0: Hey everybody, it's Lisa, and welcome back to The Poor, take two. I recorded this entire thing, and my phone said, no, apparently it didn't pick up anything. (laughs) So here we are again, um, trying this one more time. Um, So this week for me has been better, better. I'm making progress, (laughs) so I'm still not where I need to be. But I um have done a lot better this week with some of my goals that I have in place than I did last week. So um again, my uh professor in college, as he said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So every single day we're gonna be trying to make this right. Do it better and better and better. <laughs> so thank you for coming back to my podcast. I am grateful that you are here. Um Today we're gonna to be talking about Esau and Jacob and how we do not trade our birthrights for a bowl of soup, okay? <laughs> um hopefully you guys remember the story, or I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau. They are twins um, in the Bible in Genesis 25, I think verse 29 through 34. Um, it talks about this one story in particular where Esau, who is the outdoorsy twin, he, um, hunts and he, um, is very hairy. That's how it describes him versus Jacob, who is, um, hairless essentially. And sounds a little bit more like, um, a mama's boy a little bit, (laughs) but he, um, isn't, he does, it sounds like he did more of the household things versus Esau who's more outdoorsy Um, so Jacob was one day making, had made some dinner and Esau comes in from a hunt and he is completely famished and asks Jacob for some food. Jacob being the trickster as uh, scripture makes him out to be um, basically says like if you I'll give you some food if you give me if you uh, sell me your birthright basically I want what is rightfully yours as the eldest son they're twins but of course Esau came out first um, I want what's yours as the your inheritance your birthright um, and essentially Esau was like probably annoyed but like what good he says what good is having this um, birthright if I'm dead <laughs> like if I'm dead because I'm hungry and I couldn't eat um, then what good is having the birthright and so he you know takes the food and I think a lot of us are just like when we when we hear that we're like that makes no sense like you could have just skipped a meal you could ask your mom to make some food you could have went back out and hunted and killed something else like that seems like a terrible idea but I think a lot of us do it, you know? A lot of us actually make those um, types of agreements with people um, all the time. And it's sad, but I think we have a hard time really holding to what's valuable in our lives um, and because there's just so much going on in the world. And so much happening to where we can rationalize, well, this small thing you know, is the only option that I can do in this situation. And I know I've personally made a lot of bad decisions, thankfully not like birthright level, uh, bad decisions, but, um, you know, I've definitely made bad decisions where I felt like this was my only option. And so I'm going to, uh, make this bad deal. And then later on, I'm like, oh, well, I could have done 17 other different things. Um, but I was just basically looking at it too closely. So, um, I, one example I'll say, it's a little different, of course, but, um, one thing that we have that is invaluable, right? Like there's no price that we can put on it is our health. But at the same time, how many of us have made decisions, made food decisions that, um, are not good for our health. So we decide to eat something that we know has absolutely no nutritional value that possibly raises your blood pressure or, um, is just like way too much sugar for you, but we still eat it because it tastes good in the moment. And this thing that we have called health, it, it's hard for us to really, um, It's hard for us to like really put into terms like what that means, right? It's one of those things that it's hard for us to think. It's hard for us to think that it will never be there until unfortunately for some people it does um, decline. I mean, most people at some point, especially as they get older, there is some level of decline um, in their health, but it's hard for you in the moment to see that coming from the decisions that you're making on the daily basis. So and I'm not saying that of course that you can never ever have these whatever types of food, these junk foods or whatever, but um but even you'll see with people who have some of the comorbidities, so people who possibly have heart disease or diabetes or something of the sort, sometimes it's still very difficult for them to um make a good health decision, even knowing that their health could be directly impacted by it. And why is that? You know, it's one of those things that it's hard for us to keep our priorities straight and it takes intentional effort to keep our priorities straight, but even not just with food, like when it comes to like different stressful situations that sometimes we knowingly put ourselves in um, or whatever the case may be. But a lot of times, it's that in-the-moment thing that we feel like either we really, really want or we actually need in some capacity. Like, Esau did need food. Like, that's not an exaggeration to say that, um, but it was just like, was that the only place to get the food that he needed, right? So, a lot of the times, it's not that we don't need the things, Um But, like, how are you going about getting those things? And, of course, that works as well in, like, uh, say, an office setting. Say if you're wanting to get a big promotion and you're working really hard, you you always put out quality work. Excuse me. You always put out quality work um, every single day. Everybody speaks very highly of you. And then one day something really bad happens and... It's easy to at some point just like it's, it's easy to decide to end that moment. Maybe you want to send an email that's not quite as professional as it should be, or maybe you want to participate in office gossip because you're upset with a given person. But, um, what impact would that have on that promotion that you want a year from now? What impact? will it have if your boss overhears that you were participating in in, um kind of just the ill like the I don't know how to say it but like the you know the office gossip when you're chatting speaking negatively about somebody where it kind of almost feels like ganging up on them because all these people dislike this one person but now your name is attached to that because of a moment of weakness um So what I understand from this story is that, um, it's a value system thing. It's something where, and then it goes on to say at the end of um, the passage that Esau came to despise his birthright, essentially because he, he knew after he had eaten the bowl of soup, like, you know, that dread you get as soon as you know that you made a wrong decision. Um, I think now this thing that was supposed to be a blessing for him is now something that will cause him misery for the rest of his life, you know, until he forgives. But um, like, because this thing that was rightfully his, this thing that would impact his his future wife, his future children, um, everything, because he that includes all of the inheritance inheritance of his father, that um, now by his word, in his agreement with his brother now should go to his brother instead over a very, um, and what he, essentially what he got in return wasn't nothing. He got a bowl of stew for all of his dad's land, all of his dad's cattle, all of like all of his wealth because um Abraham had amassed a great deal of wealth and Isaac was his only heir to get all of that so now all of that would go to Esau and Esau traded that whole potential fortune for a bowl of soup and of course it's I don't know that it's about the money but it's about you know back then it's very important like you know the dignity of of it all so like what does that even look like to live in a world where the firstborn gets it and then you know have everybody around you know that it's going to your brother instead so I just think that it's a value system thing and there's this book called Pound the Stone I forget who who wrote it um, but I listened to it over audiobook like at least 10 times now um, but in it it talks about um living according to principle instead of living in, according to feelings. So in the in the story the guy uh, the main character is like a high school basketball player but um, he's naturally good at a thing and so he constantly you know wants to do the, the parts of his talent that's easy the part that we can show off and everything like that but not the part where you have to put in the work behind the scenes. So he hated practicing, he hated doing all those things. Um, the footwork drills, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it just talks about living by the principle instead of um, by how you feel in the moment. Because, you know, a lot of times we won't feel like putting in the work to whatever goal it is that we're working towards. Sometimes the work part is, it mean, it's, it's work, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not something that, you know, I would rather watch TV or I'd rather, you know, take a nap or something like that personally, but um, you have to put in the work as a matter of principle because this is who I am, not um, just decide that because of how I feel on this particular day that um, I don't want to do it anymore or I don't want to do it today because it's a very slippery slope because, you know, there are a lot of days that I don't want to do anything. And so if I never did anything on those days, when would I ever get anything done? Right. And again, everything that I talk about on these podcasts, um, I'm convicting myself to. Okay, like I this is not a me talking exclusively to you guys about what you need to do. I think that Um, this is one of my outlets so I can very clearly see what I need to do. But, um, I also recognize that a lot of times when we are hesitant to make those, um, small decisions that need to, that we need and, um, that impact our grand, um, goals, I think that it's because we're nervous. We've been this one person for our whole lives or we've developed these, um, thought patterns we've developed these habits um, over the course of our life and now all of a sudden we're trying to break some habits or make new decisions that um conflict with the person who we have been and um so sometimes it's like intimidating and sometimes you can get like really nervous so I remember this um this pro tip that I want to share with you guys And it's called um, Anxiety Reappraisal. So basically, it's very simple. The next time you feel like you're nervous, like you're nervous to make this change, you're nervous about to do this new thing, you're about to walk on stage, you're about to, I don't know, record yourself um, on a podcast (laughs) for the first time. um, Instead of saying that I'm nervous to do this thing, instead of saying I'm anxious or whatever the case, say I'm excited so basically your body is already already, already experiencing those same um, physical physiological effects. So just redirecting your mind to fit another frame um, that still works with the way that your body is going right now. So when you're nervous, sometimes you're like um, palms sweaty, your cortisol levels go up, your heart is beating fast, um, and I think a lot of times people go from there to trying to be calm, which is really hard because it's hard to like force yourself to stop beating your heart to stop beating fast and to like redirect and completely shut off those things. But I think that's what we try to do. But instead, using those to switch it to excitement, because excitement, your heart is also beating quickly and you're also experiencing a, a, the high cortisol levels, you're feeling the same physiological effects and so it's a lot easier of a shift to just get excited about doing the new thing instead of um, being fearful of it and I know that's I think on the first episode I started with saying that I'm really excited but I was definitely very nervous definitely very nervous I still am nervous in a lot of ways this is very new to me you know there's a lot of things I don't know yet But, um, I am choosing and I try to switch the narrative in my mind to being one of excitement because it is something that I want to do. It is a goal that I'm trying to uh, reach and that should excite me. You know, that should be like, I should be able to be proud of myself for doing this new thing. And, um, I don't necessarily want to be calm about it. I don't want to be neutral about it. Um, and the nervousness is normal because of course you are doing something you've never done before but nerves don't necessarily serve us well it causes us to kind of retreat a little bit whereas excitement causes us to like run jump go forward and do like everything to the max and so um, that's where I try to uh, shift and I think that might be something that you guys can definitely try too. I'm sure it's not the first time you've heard it, but in case it is, I think it really does help. I think it really does help. It changes your mind. It opens your mind to new possibilities and you can just like run. (laughs) Okay. But um, yeah, so that's all I have for today. I really want to appreciate, say that I appreciate, oh my throat. excuse me. I need some water. Um, I really want to say that I really appreciate you guys. Um, this is something again, that's really new for me. And so I am learning on the go. Instead of, uh, waiting until I know everything to move forward, I'm walking forward and trying to learn as I go. So hopefully I'll be able to make these better, um, for you in the future. And, um, I definitely just really appreciate you guys listening in. I love you so much and I will talk to you next time. Peace.